Hello, everyone, and welcome to Out of the Rough. Today, we've got me, Lenny, and uh, Sean here with us today. How are you doing, Sean? Doing fantastic, Lenny. Doing fantastic. Uh, missing missing Nate again this weekend, but it's all right. Sean and I will, will be bringing the great picks. Um, man in the ship. Man in the ship, that's right. Speaking of which, I guess we should talk about this past week's tournament. Uh, no, uh, we had some controversy last week, Sean. Do you want to uh, talk about your picks? Maybe one Henrik Stenson. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to be able to sh- show my face ever again to you. Um, but luckily for Stenson, he made the cut, which allowed my face to show back up. Um, he was uh, my lowest finisher this week. I'm sure you're not surprised by that. But I will say all of my guys last week made the cut. Um, so that's uh, the first week for me that I've gone five for five with that. Um, but to go from the top to bottom, uh, I had Paul Casey. Uh, he came in as the the favorite from last year. Uh, he got a tied for 21st, uh, so a little bit less than uh, what I was expecting for. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen, Louis uh, he was my top finisher, tied for eighth. Uh, Jason Kokrak, who was my one and done, uh, which we'll go over later, uh, he was tied for 13th, so not a terrible showing for for that as well. Um, and then, as I mentioned, Stenson is a tied uh, for 63. And then Wyndham Clark was my uh, 6K guy, and he came in at tied for 60. So I guess in the long run, I found out that Stenson should probably have been like the 5K um, and just never be added onto DraftKings again. I will take your advice from that moving forward. Um, Him making a <laughs> cut, though, is better than I expected. So I well, mean... I- I was very happy that I could rub that in your face this week because it's it's so nice to take the lashing that I did, the verbal beatdown, and, uh, and and be able to do something in return. So I will just take it with class and say Stenson did me well this week. So thanks for that that motivating for for the previous weeks, LJ. Yeah, I mean, I like Stenson. It's not like I have anything against him. I just don't trust his game, like I said, and. Didn't even. I didn't think he was going to make the cut. So him making the cut, I think, is progress for him. For me, <laughs> I had a bit of a rough week. I mean, I had two of my guys in the top ten. Keegan finished second. Neiman, the tie for eighth. Patrick Reed just didn't really get anything going in that second round. Needed a, a birdie coming down the stretch. Just couldn't get it. Finished even and ended up missing the cut. But I didn't think he played terribly. He just didn't play great. Emiliano Grillo, kind of the – I mean, Sam Burns is the story of the week with him winning. Grillo is kind of the second story of the week, I think. Going from tied for third after the first round to a missed cut, that's pretty impressive. And so, I th- like, that happens, like, I just kind of have to eat it. You know, he had such a great first round, and I was sitting there with Keegan and Griot, two of the top three, thinking I was going to have a great week. Griot decided otherwise. And then Chase Seifert, not a good showing. He missed the cut as well. I think I'm back off the Seifert wagon. Like I said, I was going to keep playing him as long as he kept making cuts and doing well. Missed the cut this week, so I think uh, we're going to have to fade him here for a little bit from now on. Really, what I'm finding out is that we can't say anything positive about anybody here because as soon as we do, they go downhill quickly. So 
um, it'll be interesting what other people we might be able to to curse in a way. Yeah, I think you have some of Nate's picks. You want to just give an update on some of those guys? Sure. Um, he did have uh, Victor Hovland uh, tied for third, so good showing for him there. Uh, Charlie Hoffman was a tied for 18th. Um, and then after that, he had a few guys that missed the cut, Russell Henley, uh, which was also his one and done, uh, Danny Willett and Andrew Putnam. So uh, those those were uh, Nate's results. Um, again, like you mentioned, just to throw this out there, um, Sam Burns was the winner from the tournament last week. Um, he came in at a 7,000 value in that price range or in that, that value range. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see him come in based off the other guys that are listed in the, in the lineup and where his value came in. Um, so I, I think I'm going to start to make sure that we, we, we do that moving forward of mentioning at least where the value comes in to see if there's any sort of trend or a spike in any sort of way. Um, but those were those were Nate's picks from last week as well. Yeah, kind of similar to mine. Some guys doing really well and then everyone else not quite. But <clears throat> it's a new week this week. We got the Wells Fargo Championship, Quail Hollow, Charlotte, North Carolina. It's uh, one of the longer courses on tour. It's going to be playing over 7,500 yards this week. Um, some longer par threes. I think all of them are going to be all over 180 yards, if I remember correctly. Uh, not a ton of water in play, um, but it is going to be a course where I think some of your longer hitters are going to perform better. Um, you'll see kind of the off the tee, tee to green stats up in the top 10. I expect those guys to be kind of dominating in that range. Doesn't mean shorter hitters can't do well, right? As long as you're good with your long irons, you can kind of compete anywhere. But having that advantage of a club or two um, shorter going into the greens, getting the ball to stop on the greens, it, I think will definitely be an advantage this week. Um, do you have anything to add about the course, Sean? Yeah, I think it's interesting that you talk about how long the course is and the sponsor as well as Fargo. Um, and, you know, I just I wonder if there's any correlation between there. But um, one of the things I do have on the, on the course um, is the, you know, last week I made a little bit of joke about the snake pit and why we didn't know anything about that. So this week I thought I'd bring in a little bit of fun fact about this course's, if you will, Amen Corner or Signature Series of Holes. Um, and for Quail Hollow, that is the 16th through the 18th. Um, they are known as the Green Mile. Um, and from some of the research that I did, <clears throat> it's based off of Stephen King's book about inmates taking a, their walk towards uh, their, their death on death row. So it's kind of interesting that they, they call it that as you're going down the, the 16th, 17th, and 18th. You have a pretty far uh, par 4 into a uh, peninsula par 3 on 17th, uh, which is going to be very interesting depending on how the wind's playing. If you have any wind going into the water, you might see some balls get wet there. And then on uh, 18, there's a creek that just goes along the left side of the fairway all the way through it. So water is always going to be in play there. So... Even if uh, there's a couple strokes on, the, on Sunday or throughout the week and, and the leaderboard's going to, I really do think the leaderboard's probably going to change up through those holes just based off of the water in play and the difficulty of those holes. So it'd be interesting if anyone walks to their quote unquote death through that. Yeah, it's another kind of famous closing stretch here. Um, definitely some tough holes. It's going to be a good tournament though. It'll be fun. We have a lot of big names in the tournament this week. 
You know, we got JT, Bryson, Ron, Shalfway, Webb, Rory back in action. Um, so a lot of kind of the, the bigger names gearing up for the PGA Championship we have coming up in two weeks. Uh, definitely a fun tournament here. Uh, excited kind of for the week. Hopefully uh, make some good picks. So this week, Sean, looking at our field, looking at the 10K and up range, again, not a lot of guys here. Uh, we have, what, six guys, uh, starting with JT, Justin Thomas, starting at 11-3 uh, this week on DraftKings. Who do you think within this range is kind of going to be the first name that you're putting down on your DFS lineup? I think we kind of talked about this on a uh, another on one of our uh, episodes of the uh, earlier podcast, but um, the name that sticks out to this is Rory McIlroy. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of him. I think there's something to be said about him and how he plays, and also him and how he plays this this specific course. Um, you know, I, I think he, he well to talk about him. He comes in around ten thousand dollars, so he's just at the the low end of this bracket. So it might be nice to. If you're looking for one of those top guys, you, you save a few bucks compared to the other guys there. Um, he's in this year, f f five top tens, nine for 12 in cuts. Um, but specifically to Coil Hollow, uh, he was eighth last year, or I should say in 2019, when it was the last time this event was played due to COVID. Um, but he, uh, he was eighth in 2019, 16th in 2018. But really, he had two wins here. Uh, 2010 and 2015 so realistically this is the fifth year that the tournament's being played here and if history repeats itself this would be the, the time for him to win it um, so he, he's got a really good record here um, he's got the course record as well 61 as a scoring round in one of his rounds I believe that was in the third round of 2015 um, and he's the all-time strokes gain leader at Quail Hollow so with all that being said I don't think that anyone else has a, has a better resume in terms of how they play golf at this course. And with him coming off of the miscut at the Masters and not really being playing the last couple of weeks, I think he's really been trying to hone in his game and maybe he'll get in that comfort zone again, being back to where he's, he's seen previous wins. Yeah, I think this is a course that like fits Rory. You know, he's such a great driver. He was such a great driver. So he hasn't lost it completely. He's still very good. And he hasn't been playing bad this year. It's just the three missed cuts in his last five are worrisome. But for a DFS play, I don't think he's a bad bet to go with. You know, he does have that course history. Plus, I think he might have a little bit lower ownership than some of the guys around him. And he is a bit volatile. I'm just kind of looking at those last five you know, two top tens, but then three missed cuts. So you either having a great week from him or he misses the cut. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's a terrible play. I probably am not going to roster too much of him personally. Do you know Just if there's so. any pools and, uh, by the course, uh, this course? I don't know if there's any, like, houses with pools in it. But if there's no pools, then we might be okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> As long as he doesn't find the bottom of anyone's pool. Yeah. For me, though, there's kind of two guys that I really like in the 10K range. I've kind of torn in between, in between them. I'll probably have a few lineups, and I'll have about 50-50 ownership on these guys. That's John Rahm, Xander Schauffele. 
And, you know, I probably am going to go Rom over Shoffley if I have to. But when you look at the pricing, JT's at 11.3, Bryson's at 11. And you're getting Rom at the third kind of highest price here. And he's $500 less than Justin Thomas. I, I don't think that, like, their projections of what you would expect from them are $500 in difference. I think their chance to win probably just as high as one another. Their chance to top 10. I mean, John Rahm, he has what, nine top 10s on the tour this year. Eight of them have come in his last 10 events. And John Rahm, he's also like third off the tee, fourth tee to green, two stats where I think are going to be huge this week. Um, just looking at this price range and especially those top four guys, I think just the consistency you get with John Rahm, he hasn't won yet this year on tour like JT and Bryson have, so he might not kind of have that, I don't know, people view him with the same win equity because he's not, you know, on the cover magazines showing off his trophies yet this year. Uh, he's won, I think, every year, but his rookie year on tour, like he's a proven winner. And I mean, I'm a big John Rahm fan. Uh, which definitely helps me in picking him. But I just when looking at the top three guys, I don't see much of a difference in their win equities. So why not pick the guy that's the lowest price here? Yeah, and his name happens to just be John Rahm, and you just like having to say it too. So it works out great. I mean, yeah. I mean, if John Rahm, I will say, if John Rahm was the highest priced guy, he was at the 11 3. I probably would fade him a little bit more and play more of Xander Schauffele this week. Um, but being the third highest owned guy, I think it makes sense to play him. Yeah. There's value behind it. Yeah. So next we'll move into our 9K range. Um, Sean, who do you like here? I'm going to go with uh, Max Homa. He's coming in at 9000 so uh, another guy that's matching the bottom of the uh, value range, if you will. Um, he's four for uh, four top 10s this year, 11 for 16 in cuts. Uh, he was six last week at the Valspar. Uh, he had a first three days that were pretty good, a 66, a 68, and a 66. His last day was a 74, so that's why he pushed back to six. I know he was all around the leaderboard on the, the first couple of days, and he had a couple of good scrambling shots out of the woods. I think it was on 18 on, on Saturday it was to, to keep him up there. Um, but really the, the reason I picked him was he won this event the, again last year, I say, but in 2019, uh, he was minus 15 through the whole event. He went with a 69, a 63, a 70, and then a 67. So again, he was only two shots off of Rory's course record um, when he did win it. And go, looking at his cards from how he played the course, he had 20 total birdies, only five bogeys in the 72 holes, so that's that's pretty impressive. Um, he uh, he birdied the 10th hole every single round, which is which is a pretty interesting feat for how long the hole is. Um, and uh, he went bogeyless on the front. Um, so it, you know, just looking at some other side bets of something or whatever else you might be interested in, um, he did not hit a bogey on the front at all throughout the play. Um, so with that being said, just the previous course history and how he played last week, I know he had the final round of this uh, on Sunday, not so hot, uh, but I'm, I just am a believer in him. Plus with the value of, of getting towards the lower end of these ranges, you know, I, I have a lot of money to play elsewhere if I wanted to get some of those other top guys later on. 
Yeah, I think that's something really smart that you said there. It's kind of going, if you're looking to kind of build a lineup based off how we talk about price ranges, going off the bottom two, going at 10 and 9, gives you a lot more money that you can kind of hopefully maybe skip that 6K range if there's no one you like there, build a little bit more of a balanced lineup, get some guys a little bit more win equity in it. But home has been playing well this year. He's someone that I've kind of picked on here a couple of times who I, I like him. Um, I don't think that's a bad pick at all for me though. This is a tough kind of one for me to pick. I am going to go Will Zalatoris this week. And we've talked about him a lot on here and what he's done on tour. But I think this course just fits his skill set. There isn't really anything that, you know, you'd look at his game and think he's like bad at. But the, the key kind of things are his ball striking ability and he's long off the tee. You know, ball striking plays at every single course on tour. If you're a good ball striker, you can kind of compete anywhere as long as the putter's hot. But he's also eighth in driving distance, I believe, on tour this year. Um, or 20th, sorry, 20th on tour this year. Um, you know, so I think the the course being a bit longer, his game just kind of fits it. And I think he's someone who can do well. Um but he's at 9-4 this week. You also have some great kind of ball strikers, great guys off the tee below him, and Connors and Neiman at 9-2 and 9-1, who I think are also really good plays. Same with Tony Fino. He kind of fits into that mold as well at 9-5. Um, so this lower 9K range, there's a lot of guys who, you know, if at the end of the week, you know, it was Homa, Neiman, Connors, Alatorce, and Fino all in the top 10, I don't think I would be surprised at all. And I'm very likely to put some probably outright bets on some of these guys and some top 10 bets on these guys. But for me, I think I'm going to back my money with Wills Alatoris this week. Next, looking at the 8K range, some kind of interesting names in here. Uh, some guys that have been playing well with Keegan Bradley in here. Um, you know, coming off his second place finish last week, we have Brian Harmon, who's been, you know, not playing every single week like some of these guys, but when he has played this year, he's been outstanding. Um, but who are you liking in this 8K range, Sean? I am going to go with a guy whose name has probably been mentioned a lot if we were to have done this podcast a few years ago. Um, but I, I think he's someone who falls along the same lines of a Rory in terms of kind of making a comeback and maybe this place will be the one for him. And that would be Jason Day. Um, he's coming in at 8,600 in that range. So, um, not too bad of a price if, if you ask me for the type of caliber player he is, um, two top tens, nine for 14 in cuts. Um, you haven't really heard much of his name this year because of all the injuries that he's had and stuff that he's been kind of getting back from. Um, however, he did take a seventh at Pebble Beach. And uh, again, one of the main reasons why I'm picking him for this week is just based off of his previous course history here. 2018, he actually took first. He won the event. Um, so 
as as you mentioned too, you have to hit the ball well here. Um, you have to you have to move the ball off the tee, get it on the green. Obviously, that's the name of the game of golf. But he has been hitting the ball pretty well, although his scores may not have been showing it. He has been hitting the ball good, and for him, um, that's a great thing because of the ball striking ability that he does have. Um, but since March first, he's fifth in uh, tee to green stats, um, which is obviously very much needed. So here, so. I'm hoping that Jason Day may slip under the radar with some of these people in, in that range. There's a lot of talent in here, but I, I think that there's a, for me, I'm just going to go with that and, and maybe stick with the trend of these guys are going to find that comfort zone of this course again and come back to the, the abilities of what we're used to seeing out of them. Yeah, the one thing that worries me with Jason Day is, you know, the back that he could kind of pull the Justin Rose, be in the top 10 on Friday and then just decide that he can't go. Um, I think, I mean, from watching him, I think he seems to be pretty healthy, so I'm not as worried about it. But like you said, though, he has been hitting the ball pretty well this year. Uh, I like him. It's not a bad pick. I probably won't own him too much, uh, but I can't argue against owning him, really. For me, I think I'm going to have to go with a guy a couple spots ahead of him and Sung J.M., Right. Sungjae comes in at 8.8 this week. I mean, he's six off the tee. Uh, the thing is, he's not a super long hitter. He's not one of the bombers on tour, but he's very accurate. He gets the ball out there. It's not like he's playing 50 yards back from everyone. He still has a decent drive, and he's very accurate with it. Throughout this whole season, he only has two missed cuts in the normal stroke play events. Um, and he's has played here once before, finished 31st back in 2019. But at the same time, that was his first year on tour. And he was 60th in the world rankings at that point in time. He's now up to 19th. He's been playing great golf this year. And, you know, we've seen him kind of up there battling recently. Uh, and he's got four top 20s in his last five events and a couple more top 20s previously uh, on tour this season. Um, I think he's a guy who can do well this week. There's another guy, though, that I want to talk about, Sean. I just want to kind of get your opinion. At the 8K range, we have Tommy Fleetwood. Did you ever think you would see Tommy Fleetwood coming in at 8K? At really, I mean, outside of maybe like a, a match play or, you know, one of those very small like WGC events where the fields are, you know, 50, 60 people. Do you ever think Tommy Fleetwood would be dropping down this far in pricing? No, not really. And especially with not that this field is any sort of weak field, but you know, you you are missing some of the other names that you would normally see in some of the tournaments where he might be listed down there if there's a big field, or like you said, smaller field if the value's there. But to me, I don't understand it. Um, why he's listed that low? It's a, it's an extremely good value pick in my opinion. I think if it wasn't for Jason Day in this range, I think he would he would be someone that I would be looking at as well. I've used him a couple of times before, and he's always had some decent results. He's had like like you know though I think it was back to back weeks a hole in ones for him. Um, so I, I don't I don't think he's been playing terrible golf, but I don't also remember really seeing a lot of his name being posted up there. So it is a little interesting that he would be ranked in this in this area instead of one of the higher ones for me for sure. Yeah, I, I think he almost has a stigma now that he can't do it on the PGA Tour. 
Yeah, he hasn't won an event yet on the PGA Tour, but he's got six international victories, um, you know, in, in the Euros. He has missed, he missed the cut in two of his last three stroke play events, but he had a 10th at the Arnold Palmer. He's just, he hasn't been playing great uh, this year. But for him to be at 8K is kind of surprising because I think he's someone who, even though he hasn't won on the PGA Tour, does have some win equity because he's won, you know, in other tours, you know, especially the European Tour. But I, I almost feel like he's someone that I have to put into my lineups just because kind of the value you get here. And, but moving on to kind of the 7K range, at 7 9 at the same point, you have Russell Henley and Stuart Sink, and you have Stuart Sink, who's won twice on tour this year, and he's coming in at seven nine, so he's a hundred dollars cheaper than Fleetwood. Uh, so, if you're looking at this range, there's some tough decisions between I think Fleetwood, Henley, and Sink. Uh, Henley, not a good tournament last week, but such a good ball striker. Um, but yeah, Tommy Fleetwood at eight K, I was a little bit surprised to see that. But at the same time, not surprised, I guess, if that makes any sense. But I think he's someone I'll probably own a little bit of. We're moving on to the 7K range. where We have a lot of players here. And who do you like kind of looking through these guys, Sean? I, uh, I'm staying trendy. I feel like it worked when I had the uh, team play. Uh, and I was talking about all the the, the partnership and, and the na- nations together. And this week, I'm talking about people coming back. So, um, like you said, there are a lot of people in this grouping that I, I kind of looked over. But realistically, um, or I, the one that I, I'm looking at is uh, Ricky Fowler, <laughs> and he definitely fits the mold of the other guys of trying to make a comeback because I haven't seen him at all this year, other than some of the uh, the misleading choices of facial hair haircuts that he's had. Um, but nothing on the golf game. But uh, he's coming in at 7,800, so it's kind of at the higher end of this, um, which, again, to what I just discredited him for, you might think, why is he on the higher end of it? Um, but he does have a pretty good history here. Um, in 2019, he finished tied for fourth. Again, I know that's a different Ricky than what we're talking about this year. Um, but he does need something to come back. He's He just dropped outside of the, the top 100 in the ranking. Um, so he's definitely going to need to... Uh, get back up in there and need some sort of motivation or spark. And back in 2012, he he won. And then, uh, like I said, in 2019, he was tied for fourth. So he might find some good luck here with with some of the uh, other guys that I mentioned, like Jason Day and Roy McIlroy. Um, but that's who I'm going with in this range to to keep trendy. Uh, I didn't realize Rory was out the top, or not Rory. Ricky was out of the top 100 now. Seen FedEx Cup rank, he's one forty one. Does he have a win to keep him on tour? Yeah, he won the players through, so he has a tour card till twenty twenty three. Yeah, I forgot he won that. So, I it's it's a trendy pick. It's something kind of going against the against the grain. It's the putter that. Ricky was always such a good putter that no matter what, he could save himself. And now the putter's kind of gone missing on uh, in his game. 
if he can just get that plastic back, I I mean, he needs something. He needs something to go right in his game to get him back on track. I don't know. It's kind of like the the Henrik Stenson pick a little bit for me. But at the same time, I do kind of like Ricky this week. Uh, kind of a contrarian pick. For me, though, my pick is going to be the same price, and that's going to be Lucas Glover at 7-8. And Glover, he's been gaining strokes off the tee, his approach around the green. He's made seven straight cuts. Uh, he's someone who also has a pretty solid course history here. He's got five top tens. He's played here 15 times, right? So it's kind of a bigger sample size than most guys, but he does have a win, does have a second-place finish. I think, you know, he's been playing well this year, good course history. Um, I think he's just a very safe pick this week, I guess. Kind of the opposite of Ricky, right? Ricky, bit volatile, you're going for the home run. I'm playing it safe, you know. Glover just gave me the top 20, and we're more than happy. So moving into the 6K range, right? we got some, some guys here that are another a little bit surprising. They're down here. I think you, uh, you're liking one of them this week, Sean, aren't you? Yeah. Um, as Nate mentions every time, this, this one's you're kind of searching for somebody. So I just go through and see if there's any names that I know, first of all. And then secondly, just go based off of the stats. But Someone that kind of isn't, I guess, surprising, but not so surprising to see them at the range that they're in here. Um, but it, that's Phil Mickelson. Um, I'm going to take the lefty, Phil the Thrill, and I'm going to see what he can do. He's coming in at 6'9", six, uh, six, so just at the top portion of this price range. Um, two top 10s this year, 10 for 16 in cuts, so pretty decent for, the, for how he's playing and, and what he's looking to do. Um, but realistically, again, I've mentioned a lot of people's uh, their their stats based off of last times they've played on here and, and how they've gone. But you're looking for somebody in this range that's going to make the cut, maybe get you some extra points, do play some Saturday-Sunday golf. And Phil's played here 17 times at this course. Uh, he's had eight top five finishes and 10 top 10 finishes. So he's at an 88% rate for uh, making the top 10 in this tournament. I think that's enough to say for itself of why I'm picking him at this uh range but now that i say that he's probably going to go in that 12 percent. so uh, we will see you next week how he does 88 percent is impressive no matter where it is 88 percent top 10 rate i mean but it's phil i remember watching kind of a lot of his group because he was with patrick reed this past week and i thought for sure he was going to make the cut he's just on 18, he just needed to make it was like a six footer, eight footer to get him in. He missed it. Um, but, but coming into the 18, I can't remember if it was like 14, 15, 16, whatever the holes were. He had put like three birdies in a row together, was looking like he was playing well. His approach game's been really good lately. I think he's a good pick down here in this range. Someone that I'm going to have a little bit of share in this week. For me, though, I'm going to go with Vincent Whaley. He's at 6'4", kind of a little bit lower uh, here. But 
He's made six straight cuts and uh, seven if you count the Zerich Classic. Uh, you know, if you want to count that with the team event. But like we said, you just want someone who's going to be making cuts for you down here. And Whaley's been doing that. He hasn't been, you know, placing high. I think his best finish this year, 15th. But at 6'4", when I'm just trying to plug someone in, just make the cut, you get a top 30, top 40 I'm more than happy with. You know, I think Whaley can be a guy this week who can get that done for me. Do you have any other guys you want to kind of talk about, look at this week, Sean? No, I, I just I, I don't have anybody that's uh that's on my list. There were the, I know there were obviously the guys in, in each range that I mauled over, but I think those are really the ones that I'm going to be focusing on trying to fit into my lineup. Like I said earlier, I think you know with some of those value picks that I, I put up there, I'm going to try to get. Uh, a, a you know a couple higher guys in there to fill in the lineup. I I, I think it's going to be a, a fun tournament for golf down there and and see what happens. Yeah, in our in well, I guess my uh, strokes gain proximity to course ranking this week. I don't think anyone really at any tournament can come in any higher than Webb Simpson does this week. I mean, Webb literally is a member and lives on the course. Like he can walk to the range every day can walk to the first tee box from his house you, you can't gain more strokes in the proximity to course ranking than Webb Simpson this week and um, he comes in at 10-2 you know so he's up there in that 10k plus range so he's a little bit more expensive uh, but we know how good of a golfer Webb is he's not a big bomber I do like his outright number on the betting market he's at plus 2,000 right now. I think that could be a, a nice kind of sneaky pick. You could throw some money on this week. Um, but approximately, of course, rankings really like Webb. Yeah, I, I, does he have a pool in his backyard? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, that might be something we could, like, Google Maps. Try to, <laughs> maybe maybe try him to... and Rory will have some drinks poolside at night when they're fishing on his ball. Who knows? Yeah, try to... Try to see what hole he's on. Do uh, some prop bets on him making a birdie on that hole because he's sat there looking out his kitchen window just studying it for the past month. <laughs> but anyway, moving on, we'll get to our one and done. And there, Sean, you have the, the one and done rankings and our results from this past week. Would you like to share them? Sure. I'm going from uh, highest to lowest. Um, LJ came in the first this week with uh, Joaquin Neiman. I came in with uh, $201,825. Um, my pick of Jason Kokrak came in second. Uh, he was uh, 127305 um, And Nate's pick of Russell Henley unfortunately missed the cut, so he did not make any money. Um, so right now the standings are uh, Nate is in last place with $423,849. LJ is in second with $1,040,335. And uh, Sean, myself, is in first place, $2,368,697 as the running total. Um, so since uh, Nate took last last week, he is up, which is also a trend we are seeing in this show. Sorry to mention that, Nate. Um, but because of that, he does have the advantage of going first, and he is picking uh, Victor Hovland. Uh, which is a very good pick and somebody that um, 
I think if he were here to talk about it, he definitely needs somebody in the top tier to, to make up some of that money. As we mentioned, we're in the million range now. Um, so uh, it's definitely a good pick for him to, to shoot that shot to get the money this week. Um, with that being said, I am uh, in second with my, my finish of last week. So I'm up next with a pick of Max Homa. I already mentioned him and why I'm picking him in my DFS lineup. So at least considering him in as many as I can. Um, so I, I, I think it's just an obvious pick for me and why I'd want to pick with him. And I think he's going to hopefully finish pretty well. I've, uh, I've been doing decent with my picks up until Kokrak last week, but tied for 13th as the worst pick is not so bad. So hopefully he keeps, uh, he keeps with the trend as well. Uh, but Lenny, who do you have? I'm going to say, yeah, just one pick this year out of the top 10. So not a big deal, but it was a, it was a nice to, uh, get a win, I guess, in a way on you this week and get a few dollars on you, catch up to you a little bit. Uh, I think this week it's it's time to throw out the Willie Z, the Wills Altorce bomb. You know, this is the week he's getting his first win on tour this week. I will I will be matching you up at the top of the leaderboard uh, after I collect this, what is it, 1.5 million or so from his win. I, I hope you do. It's been lonely up here all by myself, so I'd like some company. Um, I'm glad that someone else got to feel what victory is like after last week. So, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll be good uh, to see where these guys end up. I hope Will Zalatoris does well. I know I mentioned earlier that I like I was a big fan of him, too, on a previous podcast of ours. So uh, not a bad pick by you, Lenny. Not a bad pick at all. Yeah, I mean, his outright, outright numbers coming in at plus 3,000. He could be a decent, decent guy to bet on uh, this week. And just well, and he just he just got but, engaged too, I think. So I, I, he's definitely uh, he's second a, at the Masters. Bought a nice ring for his girl, and now he's gonna be trying to make payments on those things. So he's got to win a tournament. <laughs> he, he's a he's a Wake Forest guy as well. Played golf in the Carolinas. He could be a he could be a nice play this week. Um, I'm looking here. Tommy Fleetwood's numbers plus seven thousand. Same with Keegan Bradley. Those might be some guys I might might throw a few bucks on. Try to hit a flyer with them. You know, I, I don't know. I guess we will see. But where we got coming up next week, though, we've got the the Byron Nelson. So we're going back to Texas, and then we got the PGA Championship. So. Two more big events coming up. Uh, PGA Championship, I know, will be a huge event at Kiwa Island. That we will be back doing our you know, early course previews, our breakfast balls for. Um, and then next week, we will hopefully have Nate back to do our regular show. Do you have any final closing thoughts you want to add, Sean? Well, if Will Zalatoris is in the field, where's Happy Gilmore? Um, I feel like that's a running joke of it all. Um, but no, I, I, I'm a, I'm glad that golf is getting into the swing of things. Uh, it's gonna, it's no pun intended there. That was a bad joke if I wanted to be. Um, but I'm, I'm just like I said previously and before. I, I'm just happy that uh, that golf is where it's at and that we're going where we're going. So let's keep it moving. Yeah, trying to get into the summer flurry of everything here. Fun time of the year for golf, you know, Sunday. All the majors are starting to pile up. So, you know, that's all for us here at Out of the Rough. Uh, make sure you go follow us, you know, on Twitter, 
Instagram, all of our social media sites, Out of the Rough WK. Uh, if you have any questions, you have comments, concerns, you want to tell us how bad our picks are, go ahead and let us know. But until next time, guys, happy betting this week.